Oriel's going to come and preach to him preach. I've been blessed all this week with the preaching. Declan did a wonderful job on, on Wednesday night, just putting his finger on exactly where we are. And he did it differently, not just from a preacher's perspective, but from a church person's perspective. He just nailed it. And last time we got to see Lazarus' burden for souls and his heart and his passion and a fervent passion it is too. It was a blessing and encouragement. Or he's going to come and give us what the Lord has laid on his heart tonight. Uh, we come. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. All right. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 9 this evening. Matthew chapter 9. Well, it's good to be with you this evening and have the opportunity to speak to you. Um, it's, uh, we appreciate your support and your prayer for us as we're in Arklow and planting the church there. And um, I look at this as a chance to come and give something back, uh, to try to be a blessing and uh, just to let the Lord um, bless you through some of the, the truths of his word. And uh, it's just lovely to come, be able to come and speak to you. Just a few um, little testimonies um, of what has been happening lately. Um, first of all, uh, we've seen some new people saved uh, recently, uh, particularly a young lady named Grace. You might have read about her in the prayer letters. But um, praise the Lord for her. She's going on for the Lord. So he's actually discipling um, Grace. And uh, she is going on for the Lord. Um, also, We've seen great openness uh, as we've continued to do evangelism in different ways. And just people continue to be open. And, uh, you know, just, just pray uh, that God will save new people over this summer particularly. We're burdened for that. Chris and myself really uh, asking the Lord uh, to bring some new pe- see some new people saved uh, into the church um, here over the summer. And it's a great time to get out and witness people, isn't it? Uh, in the summer, uh, you know, sometimes in the winter... It's hard to coax people away from the fireside, you know, or the telly, you know, uh, on, a, on a dark evening to talk to you about the Lord. But here, a summer evening, sometimes they're willing to stand and talk more readily, you know. And uh, so we're just trusting the Lord will use uh, these next few weeks. Um, also, you've heard a little bit about this, but i just say a few words about this. Um, wonderful opportunity in the schools. Willie Doyle has got the opportunity to go into um, the schools um, and speak to teenagers, giving his testimony and uh, also give them some drug education. But it's just a real breakthrough uh, into um, some of the needy young people in Arklow. And listen, if you could come just down to Arklow for a week even and just meet some of the young people and you see where some of them are at, you know. Uh, very little prospect for them, not very much employment in the town at this minute. Um, and uh, a lot of uh, bad influences, you know. And a lot of young people... I suppose like anywhere uh, in Ireland, um, but facing a lot, you know, and it's just amazing that we get the opportunity to go in and give them hope. You know, they look at Willie and they say, I'm where he was, you know, God can help me, you know, and uh, so pray for that ministry, that'll be going on again in September, um, and uh, we're trusting the Lord will use that to save young people, because that's what they need. They don't just need to know, don't do drugs, they need Jesus, okay? And uh, we're praying that the Lord will use it to that end. Well, we're here in Matthew chapter 9, and uh, we're going to start in verse 35 tonight. I um, appreciate what um, my dad was just saying about Declan Flanagan's message. How many of you heard his message two nights ago? Okay, it's a good message. 
Um, and I heard it was really, I didn't hear it myself, but I heard it was really good. You know, um, I want to talk tonight for a few minutes about the qualities of a soul winner. What makes a person a soul winner? And it makes all the difference when we talk about missions if we care about lost souls or we're indifferent. It makes the world of difference in regard to missions. And you know, uh, you know, God has called me to be a church planter. Really, um, it's win souls or have no job for me, okay? Um, I've got to get out and witness to people because we're trying to establish a new church and it's you know, still uh, small and uh, we're looking to grow the church and see the Lord uh, grow the church. And so we've, we've got to get out and witness to people, you know? But you know what? Just like anyone else, I need God from time to time to stir me up for souls. Because I don't know about you, but my heart can get cold easily and can get distracted. And I can get discouraged about winning souls for Jesus Christ. And um, uh, I need, we need God from time to time to stir us up, no matter who we are. I remember recently, uh, probably a couple of months ago, sitting in the barber chair, and uh, the barber was cutting my hair, and as he's cutting my hair, uh, his name is Finbar O'Gorman, and he has red hair, so we have a lot in common, okay? <laughs> All right? And uh, I'm ta- chatting away to Finbar, and I, I could remember a time a couple of months ago when I actually first started going to him, and I was witnessing to him, and I was telling him about the Lord, and I sat there in that chair, I just felt really blunt for souls. I thought, My, I haven't said anything today about the Lord, you know. And the Lord just really used it as a conviction to say, you need to ask the Lord to stir up your heart for souls. You need to seek him, ask, uh, get in his word, and get that burden for souls back. Uh, and I'm going to share with you some of the thoughts uh, that were a help for me um, as I looked at that. Let's uh, uh, look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 through 38. Here's what it says. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And before we look at the qualities of a soul, let's just bow and ask God uh, to still our hearts and speak to us tonight. Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for every person that's gathered here today. Lord, we thank you for making it possible for us to be here. Lord, we thank you for the desire in our hearts, Lord, to know you and to draw close to you. Lord, that brings us uh, to a service like this on a Friday evening when we're tired after a busy week. Uh, But Lord, we want to hear from from you, Lord. We want to have your heart for missions, your heart for souls. And Spirit of God, we just ask that you would still our hearts now. And uh, Lord, that you would speak your word right where we need it most in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would guide me, Lord, as I speak. Lord, I'm just your servant. But Lord, I pray that the things that we look at tonight would be straight from your word. And Lord, uh, that uh, they would come forth with power, Lord, and strike our hearts. Lord, we resist the evil one as well. Uh, We recognize that he'd love to distract us and stop us from getting what you have for us tonight. Lord, it might be, uh, Lord, that there's someone here who will never be the same Uh, after just hearing a simple truth, Lord, that maybe they've heard many times before. Uh, But Lord, maybe you'll send someone to the mission field tonight. Lord, maybe you'll 
uh, enable somebody and, and convict someone to surrender to soul winning in a way they never have before, Lord. And maybe people will be saved through that person's life, Lord, as a result. And so, God, we just, uh, we just resist the evil one and any a- attack that he would bring. And, Lord, we praise you that your word says, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. And, Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified. Uh, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, that we go out of this church, figuratively speaking, Lord, a different door than we came in. Lord, that we will have been changed by your word. And uh, Lord, we look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, here in Matthew chapter 9, we find Jesus going about his earthly ministry, witnessing to people, meeting the needs around him. And... We find here in the first two verses, um, in verse 35 and 36, I believe the first quality, I don't know if it's the most important, but the first quality of a soul winner. Notice what it says in verse 36. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. You know, friends, God help us when we are indifferent to what it's like to live without Christ. God help us when we're ungrateful for our own salvation and we don't realize what a lost world are going through without Christ. Think about this for a second. You know the lost out there? In this life, it's hard. And for all their hardship, they'll end up in hell for their trouble. What a hopeless existence. And the thing that changed it for you and for me is the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins uh, to save us. You know, Jesus, as he went around these towns and villages, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion uh, for the lost. And we need compassion for the lost. Now, we might all stand here and say, I need more compassion for the lost, okay? So we're not going to talk so much about how we need compassion we're going to talk about how to get some, okay? How to get compassion for a lost world. Do you find yourself indifferent at times? I do. You know, I get caught up in my routine and what's going on in my life. And I kind of forget about the people around me uh, that are uh, dying without Christ. They're going to hell. And, uh, you know, they don't have that relationship with Christ. So how do we get that compassion for the lost? How do we keep ourselves with that compassion for the lost? Here's how we do it. We do it by going out and getting in contact with lost people and attempting to share the gospel with them. We, that's how we do it. Look how Jesus got compassion for the lost. You know, he's the all-knowing God. But there was something about actually standing uh, in his sandals on planet Earth and getting in touch with the lost people in the nation that he came to declare himself to that moved him with compassion. You know, he already knew they were lost. He is, he's God. He's full of mercy. But I think it, it, his human side was moved with compassion as he looked at these human beings and um, what they were like. You know, notice there in verse 35, he goes on a tour of Israel and his sole purpose is to go out and to give the gospel. And as he goes around and he sees these people, he's moved with compassion why was he moved with compassion? Well, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, 
if we go out and we speak to lost people for any length of time, we'll realize very quickly why Jesus said that. You know, in fact, Chris and I were, on Monday morning, we were, we were sitting in a coffee shop having a meeting, okay? And uh, we were trying to plan out some of the activities over the summer. And um, two very uncouth individuals came in and interrupted our meeting. Can you believe? Um, I'm just joking, okay? But uh, two people were there in the coffee shop, and um, uh, both of them going through a difficult time, uh, different addictions in their lives, and, and going through a difficult time. And uh, I've talked to them many times before. And um, they sat down with us, and they had coffee. And we just tried to share a little bit of the gospel with them. We just abandoned the meeting, didn't we, Chris? Forget about the meeting. And uh, we just tried to share a bit of the gospel with them. And you know, David turned to us. And you know what he said to us? He said, do you know what? He said, I need someone to lead me in my life. He said, I don't know where I'm going. He said, I, I try to make, you know, change my life and it doesn't work. He said, I need someone to lead me in my life. Do you know what? A lost world, they don't know what way to go. Either for eternity or for today. They don't know what way to go. And you know, if you're here tonight and you're saved, you do have a shepherd. Uh, you're not like a lost world. You have someone to go to to give you direction. Now, we don't always follow those directions, do we? <laughs> and uh, you, But you know what? Jesus Christ is there leading us. And, you know, when we get in contact with uh, lost people, we realize, just like Jesus did, that they, are, they faint and they are scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, I was recently talking to a couple in Arklo that had been a part of uh, church for years. And then saw some of the hypocrisy and really were hurt and they left. Okay? And as I talked to those people, they said, look, we don't have any faith left. You know, they have no shepherd. They have nobody to lead them. And, you know, we need to get in contact with a lost world in order to have um, compassion for the lost. You know, teach and preach the gospel to anyone who will listen. You know, when someone asks you, what's different about a Baptist, you know? Give them the gospel. Just give them the gospel. Let me tell you, uh, it's, it's not just about being a Baptist. It's about knowing that your sins are forgiven. Knowing that you're on your way to heaven. Tell them that. That's what they need to hear. You know? Um, take those opportunities to give people the gospel. Uh, you know, let me just say this too. You know, times of organized evangelism are hugely helpful to give us compassion for souls. You know, you might be sitting here tonight... And uh, you, you, you don't often go out soul winning with the church. And you might say, I don't go soul winning to the church. You know, I just don't have that compassion for the lost. Do you know how you're going to get compassion for the lost? By going out soul winning. <laughs> you know, sometimes we tend to think, you know, I, 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 because I have a lack, lack of compassion for the lost, I, I can't go out soul winning, you know. But you know what? Jesus, as he was going around the towns and villages, and sharing the good news with people. That is what got him in contact with people and gave him compassion for the lost. And you know, um, I have found it true in my own life, those times when I'm getting out and making that feeble effort to knock on somebody's door and say, can I tell you how you can know you're on your way to heaven? You know, it's amazing. Just talking to people, you realize, my, there's such a need out there. And so those times uh, are so important. I want you to just keep your finger there in Matthew 9 and uh, turn to Acts chapter 17. 
Acts chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. Do you know, um, the mission of a local church is to get the gospel to a lost world. That's why LifeGate Bible Baptist Church exists. Do you know, I am here tonight and I'm saved because this church did its job years ago. That's why I'm here tonight. Uh, You know, it just amazes me sometimes to think back, you know, how God saved our family. You know, I can remember coming to this uh, church when I was probably three or four. Is that right, Mom and Dad? About three or four. And I can remember Mr. Ryan uh, doing the puppet show. And uh, I remember Coco the Clown. And uh, Mr. Ryan would do the puppet show, Coco the Clown. He, he would have us riveted. All of us kids in Sunday school, we'd be riveted. And then he would get up and he would share the gospel with us. You know, that's how I heard the gospel. And one night I came down, and I was in bed, and I was scared of dying. And I came down and I said, Dad, what does salvation mean? And I've been hearing about all this. And, you know, my dad was able to lead me to Christ um, at the dining room table that night, uh, just over in Fur House. You know... That's what LifeGate Bible Baptist Church is here for. And you know what? If you're here tonight, you're a part of this church. And God wants to use you to get the gospel to this lost world. And you know, one of the ways um, that we do that as a church is by going out from time to time and just trying to get the gospel to the world. Now, people will sometimes say, uh, you know, door-to-door soul winning. I, you know, I just, I just don't do that. Listen, God uses it. <laughs> God uses it. And you know what? It is uh, people that have a burden for lost souls giving up an hour or two of their time on a Tuesday evening and saying, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and share the gospel with someone. Look here in Acts chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. Did you know Paul didn't do it on a Tuesday, but he had a weekly routine of going out to share the gospel. Look here in Acts chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. It says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Verse 3, Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. You know, do you think Paul sometimes when it came Sabbath or Saturday... He didn't feel like going to synagogue. Do you think sometimes uh, he's sitting there saying, I I don't want to go today. They didn't listen last week. (laughs) And I remember those Jews that got really angry in the last town I was in. Of course he did. You know, Paul was a human being like you and me, and he needed God's strength. But you know what? He did it. He went out and he said, Lord, use me. And how many people are in heaven today because Paul said, I'm going to go out on a Sabbath day to the synagogue and I'm going to try to witness to people. You know, God uses uh, those those times of organized evangelism. And so let me just challenge you. You know, Tuesday night, I believe it is, here here at LifeGate. Um, What time is it at? 7 o'clock? 6.30. 6.30 on a Tuesday night. Make an effort to come out um, and to... Uh, go out and witness. God can use it in a great way. You know, if you can't go at that time, talk to pastor and go out at a different time. Okay? Uh, but God can use that. A lack of compassion for the lost doesn't mean we should not go soul winning. It means we desperately need to get out soul winning. So God can get us in touch with lost people and uh, give us a, a, a compassion for the lost. Now, notice the, the next... Uh, let's go back to Matthew chapter 9. 
Matthew chapter 9. Jesus was moved with compassion um, upon the lost. But notice what he says in verse 37. It says, Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Okay? The first quality of a soul winner is a person who has compassion for the lost. And that's something that grows as we go out and attempt to give the gospel to people. But the second quality of a soul winner is somebody who has a warm, real prayer life. Somebody who has a warm, real prayer life. You know, as we look at the lost around us, and how so many people, you even just look at Tala, and how many people need to be saved. Do you know our first job is not to speak to them? It's to pray. And you know what I find when, when we get serious about praying for lost people, God oftentimes, He cleanses our hearts. And we, He fills us with His Spirit, so that as we go out to the lost, God can use us in an effective way. The first step is pray not to go. Do you know, um, you know, you can attempt to give the gospel to somebody, but you've not asked God in heaven to work in their hearts, and you'll do little good for them. But I tell you, if you pray for them, and you speak to them, God can do a work in their hearts. You, you see, you know, uh, being saved, being born again is supernatural. You know, we can't make it happen. We can be God's instrument, but we cannot make it happen. And you know, uh, the second quality of a soul winner is a person who has a, a, a warm, real prayer life. The first step is to is pray, not go. But you know, there comes a point also on the other side when praying is not enough. We must go. We must go. You know, do not, let me just challenge you. Do not satisfy yourself with saying, I pray, therefore I need not go. I don't need to open my mouth. Do you know what? God wants to use you. You know, we need to say, Lord, by your spirit will you work in people's hearts. And then we need to give uh, them the truth uh, that can help them to, uh, to be saved and uh, can change them. And you know, there's such a thing, um, there's such a thing as fleshly, prayerless witnessing out of duty or pride, and it's utterly ineffective. We need to have both. We need to have a warm, real prayer life, and uh, we need to uh, also go. And that's why Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. He needs prayer, but he needs laborers as well. Now, I want you to turn over for a moment to Mark chapter 8 and verse 35. Mark chapter 8 and verse 35. Yeah, I remember hearing a, a preacher tell a story, and it, it was very humorous, um, about a revival prayer meeting he had with men in, in the, the south of in south, uh, southern America, the southern part of uh, the United States. And uh, he remembers praying with those men. Harold Vaughn told the story. And he's praying with this man. And, and this one man in the church, he gets down on his face and he starts confessing his sin. And he says, Lord, I hate soul winning. He said, Lord, I hate witnessing to people. It's so hard. You ever felt like that? <laughs> you know, the reality is, I don't think any of our flesh loves to stand up and be different and say, listen, you need to be saved. There's not a one of us. In fact, I think we'd almost rather do anything than do that. 
you know. I would stand on the top of a flagpole and paint myself blue uh, rather than uh, actually open myself up to criticism and uh, share the gospel with somebody. Uh, you know, here in Mark chapter 8 and verse um, 35, uh, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said this, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Now I want you to notice that little phrase, the gospels. Let me just challenge you with this. If you and I as Christians are unwilling to share Christ with others, we might think that we are surrendered to God but we are not. We might think that we are surrendered to God, but we are not. You know, you and I as believers, God has saved us. He's done a, a miraculous work in our lives of changing us. And you know what? The most natural thing with the Lord's help and being filled with the Spirit is to go and share it with other people. Now, is that always easy? No. But that is what God wants us to do. And you know, what Jesus says here in verse 35 he says, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. You know, he's speaking about surrender. You know, if I cling to my life and I say, no, what would people think of Oriel O'Gorman? If, if I owned up to the fact that I'm a Christian and actually tried to tell people how to be saved, I could never do that. You know, again, I say, our flesh does not want to do it, does not want to witness. And so we've got to lay ourselves on the altar and say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, including be a fool for Jesus sometimes and share uh, the truth with other people. Um, and I really do think that uh, here in Mark 8.35, we find uh, a, tr- a test of true surrender. You know, am I really willing to do whatever God wants me to do? Am I willing to be a witness? Am I willing to be a soul winner? And uh, this is the test of of true surrender. So I'd say this is the third um, characteristic uh, or or quality of a soul winner is that it's a person who's unconditionally surrendered to God. A person who says, God, my life is yours. I'll do whatever you want me to do, including stand up for Jesus and share the gospel with people. I'll do that too. You know, let me ask you this too. You know, do you want to experience God and have His presence in your life? Okay, are we awake tonight? Okay, let me, let me ask that question and you can answer. Do you want to experience God and have His presence in your life? Try stepping out and being a witness for Him. It is amazing uh, what God can do. Um, you know, it doesn't mean every person you ever speak to will get saved. But you know, you will see God use you. Some will be saved. And you will see uh, many opportunities where it is so clear uh, that God is at work. And so, um, the third quality of a soul winner is someone who's unconditionally surrendered uh, to God. Now, turn over to Luke 24. Luke 24. I've already touched on this. uh, But I want to go back and uh, look at this for a moment. Luke chapter 24. Did you know that when the Lord Jesus told the apostles to go and to share the gospel with the the world, he said, do not go until you have been endued with power from on high. 
Did you know they were actually not supposed to witness until they were filled with the Spirit of God? Because you know what? In our own strength, we can achieve nothing uh, in the gospel cause. And the, the fourth quality of a soul winner is a soul winner is filled with the Spirit. Look here in Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 46 uh, through 49. It says, Jesus said, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Think about what Jesus is saying there for a second. He's saying, look, you know, I died on the cross and fulfilled all of the promises. And now, because I have died, this message needs to be proclaimed around the world. You know, we live in a somewhat religious country, don't we? But people don't know the true gospel, do they? The simple gospel they are ignorant of. Do you know what? Just like any other place on earth, repentance and remission of sins needs to be preached in his name in Ireland. Desperately. People need to hear it. You know, people around the world think of Ireland as a Christian nation. But it's not. It's not a nation that understands the gospel. Uh, We need to to share the gospel. In fact, we've got... um, a little thing that we do uh, just to get into conversations with people um, as we witness on the door is called the Bible Knowledge Challenge. And uh, we ask them questions about what the Bible teaches. Now, um, very, very religious people will almost always get the last two wrong. And here's the last two questions, okay? Can you know, is it possible to know for certain that you are going to heaven? People always say, no. And uh, the, the last question is, how, how does a person get to heaven? By believing on Jesus, by doing good works, by believing on Jesus and doing good works, or by doing nothing, everybody goes to heaven, and everybody says C, by doing good things and believing on Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's by believing on Jesus alone. And it is amazing to me, almost everybody answers that question wrong, which demonstrates people don't know the gospel. They need to hear um, the truth. And uh, so we, we find ourselves in the middle of a needy nation, so we need to be filled with the Spirit. You know, Jesus said there in verse 49, He said, I send the promise of my Father upon you, which was the Holy Spirit. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Can you imagine? It's almost as, the, as though Jesus said, Don't you dare go out and witness until you're filled with the Spirit. Now, I have good news for you tonight. The Spirit has come, and He dwells within you. And you know what? All you and I need to be is right with God and surrendered and ask His Spirit to fill us, and we can know His power as we go out and share the gospel. Amen? <laughs> that is the truth. That is the reality. We can have God's power. But you know, it is very important that as soul winners that we be filled with the Spirit. You know, We have no business witnessing to anybody if we're not filled with the Spirit. But on the other side, does that mean we shouldn't witness? No. You know, someday you're going to stand uh, before the beam of seat of Jesus Christ. He's going to sit on His throne. And if you're here today and you're a believer, you're going to stand before Him. 
How are you going to feel if you've not made an effort to share the gospel with others and been used of him to lead others to Christ? You know, we can fool ourselves in this life, but in that moment of truth, when he sits on his throne and we stand before him, it'll all come into very clear perspective and we'll say, why did I make excuses? Why did I waste so much time when I should have just uh, shared the gospel with others? You know, why did I always resist going out on a Tuesday night? Now, I know I'm meddling, you know. But why did I always resist going out on a Tuesday night? I could have found an hour to go out and try and share the gospel with people. You know, God can use you. And uh, the fact that we might say, well, you know, I don't feel very close to God. Does that mean we shouldn't witness? No. Get right with God. Ask Him to fill you and witness because you're going to stand before Him uh, someday and He has given you that mission and that purpose. And so the fourth characteristic of a soul winner uh, is being filled with the Spirit. You know, does being filled with the Spirit mean um, that it's always going to be easy? To share the gospel? No. But it means that we will have God's enabling and that we will be used of God. Now I want to share one last one with you. If you go back to the book of Mark and look in Mark chapter 1 verse 17. Do you know, many, many times um, when challenged with soul winning, believers, myself included, you know, at times will give this reason why they don't witness to others. I don't feel capable to do it. I don't know the Bible. I'm only a young believer. I wouldn't know where to start. How many of you have ever felt like that? I couldn't share the gospel. I felt like that. I couldn't share the gospel. All right, a few, people, a few honest people put up their hands, okay? <laughs> but you know, we probably all felt like that at some point, haven't we? Probably every one of us have felt like that at some point. And we think, I could, I could never uh, share the gospel uh, with anyone. Do you know what? There's, you don't need to know much. You know, if you're here tonight and you're saved and you have a testimony, you can share your testimony of how Jesus Christ saved you. Okay? And I want to encourage you with this um, verse as we close. Mark chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. You know, think of the disciples. They had observed Jesus going around, as we just read in Matthew chapter 9, going around the land of Israel, preaching the gospel everywhere, and meeting needs, healing people, and giving the gospel. And do you know what Jesus said to them? He said, fall in line. He said, get behind me and do what I'm doing. He said, just try to share the gospel with people. Because, do you know what? Wisdom, and, and, and obviously, you know, we ought to seek to be as able as we can be. But you know what? Wisdom comes as you go. As you open your mouth and witness. Um, as you do what Jesus did, start telling everybody. You know, what Jesus said to those disciples was, he said, come ye after me. He said, get behind me. He said, when I give out a tract, you give out a tract. When I tell somebody, uh, you know, that they need to uh, recognize they're a sinner and put their faith in Jesus, you say it. Follow me. Do what I'm doing. And then the second part says, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Do you know, soul winning is one of those things that um, we have got to do to learn how to do. 
we have got to actually make that effort to go out. That's why, you know, the opportunity to go out with somebody else and share the gospel with somebody is so valuable because you can learn from them. And so wisdom comes as we go. Now, I want to give you um, a few practical insights that I think uh, might be a help. You know, one of my uh, favorite memories from the summertime um, is right near the house where we live. The house where we live is right in the middle of a huge wood, okay? And there's a very steep road that goes up uh, the hill uh, to our house. But in that wood, there are blackberries everywhere. Come the end of the summer, come August, there's blackberries everywhere. And uh, one of the things we love to do... um, Ruthie and Abby and Sarah and uh, Sean was too small last year. What we love to do is we love to go out and pick blackberries, okay? And, uh, you know, we'll go and pick blackberries for an hour or so. And by the end of that hour, if we don't eat too many, right, uh, we'll have enough for dessert, okay? And you get some whipped cream and blackberries, fresh blackberries from the forest and whipped cream. Oh, it's just delicious. It's really, really good. I love it. And, uh, you know, we love to, to go and do that. But, you know, would you believe there's some amazing illustrations of truths about soul winning in the, the world of blackberries, okay? So I'm going to give you some lessons from the blackberry patch, okay? Um, here's a, a lesson from the blackberry patch. You know, as we go with the gospel and we try to witness to people, you know, as you're picking blackberries, there's three kinds of blackberries. There's black ones that are ready to pick. There's red ones that are not ready to pick, and there's green ones that won't be ready for a long, long time. Okay? All right? And uh, the key is you pick the ones that come off easily. You know, if you, if you stand there and pull at them, they usually squish in your hand and they go everywhere. Okay? So, um, le- lesson one from the blackberry patches, if they don't pull off easily, they're not ripe. Okay? Now, th- this is a lesson about soul winning. Okay? As you witness to people, do you know what? It's not your job to squeeze a decision out of them. Though I believe you ought to give an invitation and give them the opportunity to be saved. It's your job to share the truth with them. Do you know what uh, Philippians 2.16 puts it in a beautiful way? It says, holding forth the word of life. That we are offering the gospel to people. And we are challenging them, you need to be saved. But it's not our job to force them to get saved. We hold forth the word of life. And you know what? It is wonderful when you hold forth the word of life and somebody says, oh, I need this. Oh, that is beautiful. That is beautiful when you see that. Um, but you know what? We need to pull, the, if they don't pull off easily, they're not ripe. Give them the truth and let God uh, work in their lives. And here's another lesson from the Blackberry uh, Patch, and this kind of applies to missions. You know, there's always some that are ripe, but you can't reach them, you know? Every time we're out picking blackberries, you know, we're picking those blackberries, and you see this big clump just way back in the hedge where you can't reach, and they're just huge, you know, and they're just they're about to fall off uh, the blackberry bush there, but you just can't get them. You know, that's where missions comes in. Do you know... Uh, the, you know, if, you, if you've come these few nights and you've listened to uh, preaching on missions, do you know, a burden for missions starts when you and I have a burden for souls around us. 
And we recognize a whole lost world is dying for the need of the gospel. And I can't go uh, to a, I can't go to France. You know, I, I live here. God has me here. You know, I can't uh, go to uh, Canada or uh, I can't go to Australia. I can't go there. But, you know, I can pray for and support someone who can. Someone who God has called to go there. Do you know what? Those of you who have given to missions in this church, do you know you've had a part in Willie Doyle coming to Christ and his life being changed? Because, you know, God sent us down there and we were able to give him the gospel and God knew he was ready to be saved. And the girl I mentioned, you know, you gave to missions. You... uh, you, in a sense, employed us to go and pick some blackberries that you couldn't reach, okay? They were ready to fall off the tree, but you couldn't go and pick them. So you employed us to go, and we've gone, and we've been able to share the gospel in our club, and people have been saved. And, you know, think of all the missionaries that are on either side of the map there uh, in the green room. You know, as you've given to missions, you have had a part in them going to other parts of the blackberry patch and picking blackberries that you could never pick. There's people that have been saved and you'll meet them in heaven and you'll realize, I had a part in that. I prayed for, I prayed for the Milburns. You know? I prayed for the Hills, who you heard last night. I prayed for them. I gave to missions. And God used you uh, to help them. You know, sometimes it just amazes me to think, you know, as we work in Arklo, that we are able to do that full time because people sacrifice to give to missions. You know, I know what it's like. I give to missions. You know, you sacrifice. You give money. Sometimes you, you feel you don't have uh, to support missions. But you know, when we look back in eternity, it'll be worth it. We'll say, I could have never picked those blackberries. And yet I was able to be a part of what happened in a faraway place uh, by supporting missions. Um, and so we can be a part of that. And, but you know, let me challenge you. Don't pay the missionaries to do what you won't do in Tala, okay? <laughs> or in your backyard, wherever you live, in your backyard. Don't pay the missionaries to do something you won't do. Listen, be involved uh, in soul winning here. You know, isn't that what Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 teaches us? Uh, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God wants us to have an impact in those four spheres, right where we are, uh, the region where we live. Um, You know, I heard uh, about the the plans to uh, do an outreach nearby here in a a neighboring area, you know. And how exciting that is, uh, you know, to get out into other areas and give the gospel um, uh, in any way that we can. And so... These are simple, um, but these are things that have helped me. I know this is a very simple message, uh, but five simple qualities of a soul winner. Compassion for the lost. Someone who has a warm, real prayer life. You know, you will not go far as a soul winner if you can't pray. You will not go far as a soul winner. Secondly, unconditionally surrender to God. Lord, I'll do anything you want, including give the gospel. Even to my co-worker, even to my neighbor, Lord, I'll give the gospel. Um, that fourth characteristic, filled with the Spirit. And lastly, um, a soul winner is someone who is willing to go and who learns on the job uh, as they go out with the gospel. 
Let me close with this story. You know, um, uh, probably five or six years ago, we were in a church in Wisconsin uh, in the United States. And um, we came into this church um, and we were going to present the, uh, the work in Arklo and just what the Lord uh, is doing in Arklo. And, and this was before we had come full time in December of 2008 uh, to Arklo. And uh, I remember um, we showed our video and I think I got to preach and it was a good night. I remember it being a hot summer's night. And uh, after service, this man comes up and uh, this man named Kevin. And just a, a, a lovely gentleman, but uh, Kevin comes up to us and he says, uh, you know, pastor told me that you're going to stay with me tonight. And he said, why don't you come, just follow me to the house. And so we followed him to the house. And um, he was a lovely guy, just a hardworking guy. He was a trucker, drove all over America, um, back and forth, uh, hauling freight. And um, just a warm Christian man. And, you know, we're sitting there. I always love to hear people's testimonies. I always love to hear how people got saved. And so we got talking, and he, he started to share his testimony. He said, well, it all started with this man that lives up in northern Wisconsin. And at some point in his Christian life, he got a burden and a vision for being a soul winner. And he wanted God to use him as a soul winner. And so he's, he had a logging business, this man. I don't even know the man's name. Uh, but this man had a logging business. And uh, he got so burdened for souls that when he would be going around on his truck collecting logs uh, at different uh, places al- along his route, he would actually run around his truck. I mean, he did his work as fast as he could so that in the evening he would have time, he would have extra time to go out and share the gospel with people. And uh, one of the things this man did was he started Bible studies uh, around the state of Wisconsin, all over the state of Wisconsin. And um, he started one in Kevin's town, the town where Kevin lived. And Kevin said he met this guy and his friend. They were coming to do this, um, uh, this Bible study, and Kevin was not saved. And uh, Kevin said, he said, the reality is, he said, I just felt sorry for them, so I let them have the Bible study at my house. He said, they're poor idiots. I mean, who's going to listen to them? He said, why don't you come? You can have the Bible study at my house. We'll provide the tea and coffee, you know. Well, in America, it just probably just be coffee, you know, and, uh, and brownies, you know, and, and uh, you can have the Bible study at our house. So they started having the Bible study at, at his house. And Kevin, every, every week, uh, when they would come to his house, he'd sit there and he'd listen. And he'd listen. But he didn't get saved. And finally, uh, they, this had been going on for months. And finally, the man was leaving his house, Kevin's house with his friend. And he's walking at the door. And this is Kevin's house, mind you. And he poked his finger in Kevin's chest. And he says, Kevin, what about you? When are you going to get saved? And Kevin was really offended. He said, the cheek of this fella in my home to poke his bony finger in my chest and tell me that I need to be saved. He said, I can't believe it. So uh, all week he stewed about this. All week he stewed about this. And he said, the cheek of him, he's not having the Bible study at my house anymore. I don't care how miserable he is. He's not having the Bible study at my house anymore. So the day of the Bible study, he rings um, your man's house. And this was back before the day, days of mobile phones. He rings your man's house and he, he, he gets his wife on the phone. He says, listen, I do not want to have this Bible study at my house anymore. So you just tell your husband he can't come to my house and have the Bible study anymore. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, he's already on his way. He's already left. And he lived more than an hour away. And he was already in the car on the way down. 
And so Kevin says, right, well, this is the last night they're having the Bible study at my house. So they come in and Kevin coolly answers the door and they come in and some of the people from his, his town come in and they have the Bible study. And Kevin is sitting there and he's, he's just frustrated. But as he listens to them explain the gospel one more time, they're speaking about the, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and how Jesus came and he died and he gave his life a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Kevin's sitting there and he's listening. And suddenly it makes sense for him. And right there, sitting in his own living room, he believes on Jesus. He calls on Jesus to save him. And he told us it was just like this. In the middle of the Bible study, your man is talking away. And he's sitting there. And suddenly his face just lit up. And he stood up and he said, I'm saved! He said, I'm saved! I get it! I'm saved! I understand! And he was born again gloriously that night. And you know, his wife um, was really jealous because she was the religious one. And she wasn't saved. And he said for three days she bawled her eyes and she cried. She said, this is awful. You know you're going to heaven and I don't. And then finally she trusted Christ herself, you know. And what a wonderful story. But you know what? It all started with a man, I don't even know his name, who said, I'm going to be a soul winner. I'm going to use these few short years God has given me on planet earth to do the greatest thing a person can do with their time. I'm going to try and get the gospel to a lost world. And he made it his life's consuming passion. And you know what? Uh, There's a man, Kevin, who's being a witness just like his spiritual father was. You know, traveling all over America as a trucker and witnessing to people everywhere he goes. And you know what? God wants to use you and I like that. You know, why not? You know, think about this for a second. Why not you? Why not you? And you know, God wants to use each of us as a soul winner. And so let's witness where we are. And let's give so that we can have a part in picking some blackberries that we can't reach in faraway places. And may God use every person in this room during our short lifetime to reach lost souls for Jesus Christ. Let's bow in prayer this evening. Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for saving us. Lord, we're here tonight. And Lord, our sins are forgiven. Lord, we're on our way to heaven. Uh, But Lord, will you stir our hearts, Lord, in these last few moments. Uh, Lord, will you help us to make a commitment, to make a decision, Lord. Uh, Lord, to do something, Lord, maybe that we've never done before. But Lord, will you use our lives, uh, Lord, for your namesake. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. Let me ask you this question. How many people uh, would say, you know, God has spoken to my heart about being a soul winner where I am? And whether it's coming out on a Tuesday night or it's witnessing to your co-workers or the people you go to school with, you're saying, God has stirred my heart and I'm going to take steps this week. How many would raise the hand, heads bowed and eyes closed, raise the hand, God has spoken to my heart. I want to be a witness right where I am. I see those hands. I see those hands. You can put those down. Is there anyone else? God has spoken to my heart. God has spoken to my heart. I see those hands. One other question for you tonight. How many people would say, you know, God has burdened my heart. I've been listening to the preaching this week. 
you know, God has burdened my heart. I need to have a part in missions. I need to support missions in a financial way so that God can get the gospel around this world. Who would raise the hand and say, God has spoken to my heart in that regard tonight. I want to be used of God in that way. Who would raise a hand in that regard? See those hands. Anyone else? God has spoken to my heart. Pastor O'Gorman, would you come and close us?